Generations Church exists to glorify God in our community, to make disciples of Jesus, and to multiply churches so that the next generation is equipped to glorify God better than we did. Well, all right. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, or whenever you may be listening. This is the Generations Church Podcast. I'm Vinny Henke, and we are right in the middle of our series called Guilt, Grace, and Gratitude, where we're exploring the themes and modern-day connections to the Heidelberg Catechism. Once again, I'm here with lead pastor of Generations Church, Jeff Ludington. Good morning, Jeff. Good morning, Vinny. How are you? Very well, sir. Good to see you again. Good, man. I'm excited about this. We are finally moving out of guilt, right, Yep. into grace. And so for those of you that have been listening along, the Heidelberg Catechism is a series of questions and answers. It's a discipleship method. In fact, Pastor Vinny and I are reading it back and forth. Me as the discipler, he is the disciple. And so we're reading it really using that image in our heads of a father and a son. So I ask a question, and Vinny has, it gives us the answer. And what, what this historically has been is a way of training people by teaching them the right answer. And today we move out of that sense of how guilty and sinful humanity is, and we start moving into the solution, if you will. We've been big on the problem. Now we get to the solution. We're going to do it a little different today. I'm going to do one question and answer with Pastor Vinny, and then we're going to talk about that for a little bit. We're going to do two more. We'll talk about those, and then we'll wrap it up with a fourth question. Today's got four questions to it. So it's Lord's Day 5. That means week five of this study. It's got four questions and answers. And so let me just begin by asking the first question and letting Pastor Vinny give the first answer. So Lord's Day 5, question 12 says this. According to God's righteous judgment, we deserve punishment, both in this world and forever after. How then can we escape this punishment and return to God's favor? Answer. God requires that his justice be satisfied. Therefore, the claims of his justice must be paid in full, either by ourselves or another. Feels like this is the beginning, really, of us reconciling ourselves to the gospel. And so... All this leading up to now, um, with you know, question one obviously is a broad stroke question about our comfort in life and death. How do we how do we get through this life that we have to live uh, in the comfort of our faith? Then the next several questions nine, I think, uh, really deal with the depth of our sin. So now we're at this place where we admit we're deeply sinful. Yeah, if you go back to question two, like you referenced, uh, God, or the Catechism tells us that the three things we must know, uh, the first thing is chiefly our misery. Mm -hmm. And so we've spent, like you said, nine questions dealing with our misery, and now that seems like there's a little bit of hope. So in this answer, it says that God requires that his justice be satisfied, and then it gives us this little window in that his justice might be satisfied or paid in full, either by ourselves or another. What are, we, what, what are we getting at, or mm, what are we good. starting to talk about? So if we, as, huma- as human beings, if we arrive at this conversation, imagine now we're not pastors, we're not even Christians, we're, we're people really desiring to know uh, the way to eternity, if you will. And, and just generically, a lot of times in our culture today, people say, well, I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual. Just right. imagine all of that. Like people on a journey trying to get to the truth, yeah. right? Well, what we've described up until now on these, these nine questions about our deep guilt really arrives at this saying, okay, listen, here's the problem. You're in a big, deep hole. Right. Ephesians says you are dead in your sins and your trespasses. 
Like, you're not just sick and ailing. You're dead. Like, there's nothing you can do about this. And so here we are. God requires that justice be satisfied, right? Paid in full, he says, either by ourselves or another. And so what he's saying is either you pay the penalty of your sin or someone else must. Now, there's going to be more questions. going to elaborate on that. Right. But really, the only way we can pay our own penalty is to be separated from God forever. Hmm. We spent a little time on that in the, in the last podcast. Really, it is, it is either that we, are, we suffer under God's judgment, and, and judgment for us, for humanity, the judgment is that we pay the penalty of sin. Right again, Romans 3. Right. For all sin and fall short of the glory of God. Right, The wages of sin is death. Right? It talks about in, in Romans also in a different chapter. And, and it gives this idea that this eternal separation from God is the penalty for sin. Now, we can pay that. We can be separated from God forever. Or another can do that. And I think that that really just tees up the next two questions. So if you would right. permit me, yeah. here's question 13 and answer 13. Then we'll go to question 14. We'll do them back to back. So question 13 says, can we pay this debt ourselves? The answer, certainly not. Actually, we increase our guilt every day. 14, can another creature, any at all, pay this debt for us? No. To begin with, God will not punish another creature for what a human is guilty of. Besides, no mere creature can bear the weight of God's eternal anger against sin and release others from it. I think this is the line in the sand for Christianity. This is where we are different than everyone else. At this point, if you're a Buddhist, right, or at this point, uh, you're a Muslim. At this point, if you're a Jew, there's a lot of different answers. If we come to the conclusion that we're broken, right, maybe you call it sin, maybe you call it something else, but if you come come to this place where we admit we're broken, then the natural question is, then what do we do? How do we fix this? Right? And, and some give you a series of things you have to work towards and you have to achieve and earn. Others, uh, you know, actually, every system, every religious structure, every everything is about you making changes. It's about you earning a path back to whatever, whether it be nirvana or it be Allah, it be paradise, it be heaven, whatever it is, with the exception of Christianity. Really, what we've described right now is that we've dug a pit so deep that we are so dead in our sins and trespasses, there's nothing we can do. Right. That there's no good works. There's, it's not a religious math system, right. which is like what you're talking about, that if we work our way up the ladder, then we successively uh, work our way back into the grace. That's not what Christianity is. It's not what the catechism is teaching us. In question 13, I just had to answer that, uh, I'm, in fact, I cannot pay my own debt. In fact, I only increase my debt every day. Um, yeah. That... I don't have the capacity to overcome the debt that I've earned through my disobedience. That's a, that is a profoundly powerful statement by the catechism. So most people, in fact, I would say the, the uh, I don't know if it's a majority of Christians, but I'd say a ton of Christians today and modern American Western Christians, they still believe it's about being a good person. They sit in churches right. that talk about better marriages and better parenting and better this and better that, better finances, better whatever. But at the heart of things, they miss sin. In fact, I just had lunch with a pastor, a friend of ours, and uh, he was teaching in a church regularly. And at this point, the church said, hey, listen, can, can we change? Like what you're teaching, every time you get up there, 
and, and you teach from the Bible, we feel like guilty. We feel like convicted of things, and it's making us feel uneasy. Can you not do that? Literally, they asked him this, and, and, and of course, I mean, as a Bible teacher, I'm like, man, he's doing the right thing. He is right. showing them where they're broken. He is portraying their need. And, you know, the answer, there's, there's two answers we really have to think through there. One, if you're a Bible preacher and you are preaching on sin, but you're not giving the gospel the way back to God, right. then you're missing, really, you're missing the point. If this isn't about Jesus, we're missing the whole thing. But, but also, if yours are just feel-good messages, then you're never going to transform the sin in people's lives. They're never going to get out of the place that they're in. You may make them feel better today, but we will not be dealing with the issue, which is the sin of humanity. This question right here, hey, can you then, Vinnie Hankey, can you work your way out of this? And the answer is no, I just add to the problem. Right, no, I just make it worse. Yeah. That's brutal, right? Yep, it's legit. So can another creature, uh, any at all, it says, pay this debt for us. Right, if I can't look to myself, maybe I can get some other patsy to do it for me. Right, right. Maybe I'll get somebody to step in, in for me. This reminds me of last week's. Uh, we talked about mercy, and in that, in that case of mercy, I asked you a question about, now, if your son had done something wrong, and you, and you went before a judge, or, you, you know, if something was going on, and you could step in front of that bull, if you could pay that penalty, if you could pay that fine, or, you know, make sure, hey, listen, judge, I will make sure that my son never does this again. Can I pay the penalty? Can I do whatever? And I'll, you know, step, stand in the gap for him, Right. Right. Well, this question is asking, this is aiming at that, can someone else? And, and, and really, if we've just said you are not able to deal with your own sin, then clearly you are incapable of dealing with mine. Fair? Oh, absolutely fair. Yeah, if, if, my, if, if I'm tainted and so broken and sinful that I can't work my way out of my own sin, how could I cover the sin of another? How could I right. step in and intercede for them when my own hands are guilty? This, one moves, uh, uh, this question moves it further and really, it gives us an understanding. Christians, a lot of times today, spend a lot of time in the New Testament. They ignore the Old Testament, right? And if you're unfamiliar with the Bible, the first two-thirds of the Bible, roughly, are what we call the Old Testament. They are the writings of God, the prophecies of God, the promises of God, the wisdom of God, all that leading up to as Jesus enters into human history. And then the last third of the Bible, the New Testament, talks about Jesus' life, death, resurrection, ascension, and the, really the church-planting movement that is birthed out of that where they proclaim Jesus to others. But the first two-thirds of the Bible, often ignored in Christian churches, uh, maybe because of this, because they, they, they deal with a sacrificial system, Right? And so Jews in old times would, would uh, again, before Jesus, and, and this has nothing to do with Judaism today, but Jews back then would offer sacrifice. And they'd go in, they'd slaughter a lamb, they'd confess their sins over it, they'd do this, and then they would, they would offer that up to God as a, as a penalty for their sin. Never was the idea that the lamb or the ram or the goat or the dove or whatever would that cover your sin? That was always a foreshadowing of a Savior to come. And I'll just, I'll leave it that way. That's the way the, the catechism deals with it today. A Savior. Right. We'll talk about who later. Obviously, if you're listening to this, you probably know who it is. But right. a Savior. But this is saying, listen, nothing else can cover your sin either. And that is something the early church had to deal with. Well, now, wait a minute. We used to offer a sacrifice for this sin. Well, no, that sacrifice never covered your sin. It was faith that, that God would provide a Savior. So that pushes us toward question 15, I think, yeah. right? Like if, if I can't do it and there's no other earthly creature, man or, nor beast nor woman who can cover my sin or 
paid the penalty in full so that I might be find freedom, what am I left with? Yeah. So then we get this final question on Lord's Day 5, week 5 of this study, the beginning of deliverance. So if we deserve a penalty, what do we do? Like, we can't pay our own penalty. In fact, we, we just make it worse. And then no one else can pay our penalty, and nothing else, another animal or anything else cannot pay for that. What do we do? And so this one, it culminates in, the, in this question 15. What kind of mediator and deliverer should we look for then? The answer, one who is truly human and truly righteous, yet more powerful than all creatures. That is, one who is also true God. So here's our question. If I deserve a penalty, a penalty of being eternally separated from God, and, and I do, and, and let me just say this on air, I deserve that penalty. I deserve hell. I deserve to be separated from God forever. My sins are great. Vinny, you just said your sins are great. Like, it doesn't matter what your background is. Right. That our sin is great. In fact, we add to it every day, day in, day out. We're adding to our guilt. So I'm clear, I deserve hell. Now, I believe there's a solution to this. And again, we're starting to enter into that part of the catechism that gives us the answer to the problem. But now it just poses another problem. Okay, well, you deserve to be separated from God forever. You can't fix it. No one else can fix it. No other creature can fix it. So what do we do? And I love this answer. In fact, this answer, every time I read it, gets deeper and deeper. A Savior who is truly human, truly righteous, and we'll, we'll insert the word sinless in there. So one who is truly human, truly sinless, more powerful than all creatures, one who is true God. So here's our question and answer. So then what do we need? We need a perfect Savior. Well, what right. is a perfect Savior? Is it another person? No. Is it an animal? No. Is it something that's, that's alive, that's sinless? No. It's someone who is fully human, fully sinless, and fully God. Yep. And they're going to do the work of a mediator, according right. to question 15. What, could you maybe develop that a little bit? If, if, I mean, if we're getting to that place where we recognize my sin can't meet the need, I can't pay it, the debt in full, there's no other creature can. Uh, the catechism sets up this uh, individual who's truly human and truly righteous, they're going to do the work of a mediator. What is that work? That's great. Yeah, so we use the example in the last podcast of uh, if somebody does something to you, you want justice. If they violate your, 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 your property and, or you know, hurt your family, you want justice. But then we flipped the script over and we said, okay, now what if it's your son that goes out and does this? And then we want mercy, Right. And in that case, you, you know, you kind of we're, we're mocking this up, you know, pretending that this, you know, this hypothetical situation, you would go to the judge and say, hey, listen, I will ensure to you that my son never does this again. I'll pay the penalty. I'll do this. That's a mediator. Right. Yep. That person that goes to the judge, goes to the authority, goes to the one wrong and stands in the gap and says, listen, let me let me handle this. Let me pay the penalty. Let me deal with my son. Let, let me do this. That's the mediator, one who is a go-between. And so this case, uh, in this, we're, we're asking for a mediator and deliverer, someone who can stand between us and a holy God. So imagine this. Imagine who could it possibly, what could possibly stand between an unholy and sinful humanity and a holy, just, and righteous God? And so the answer 
is one who is fully human, one who is fully divine, one who is sinless, and one who is ultimately powerful. That will be our mediator. That is the one who will stand between the holiness of God and the sin of humanity. The one who stands in my place for my sins, reconciling me, paying my debt in full. Right. Delivering us from the penalty we deserve. That's a beautiful place to park today. It, if you're listening along, and I, I don't want to assume everyone's a Christian that's listening along. If you're not a Christian, I, the first step here really is admitting we're sinful, broken, and can't fix it. You know, the second thing is admitting that we need a Savior. So if we come to the conclusion we can't do it, then we, we have to come to the conclusion I need someone to do this for me. And, and really, truly, and I know that we're going to get to this next week, but that person is Jesus. Jesus is the sinless Savior. He is fully human, fully divine. He is all-powerful, and he is just without any corruption, and he stands in our place. If you're the Christian that's listening, you need to know you are not defined by your worst moments, your worst decisions, but you're defined by Christ's best decisions, his victories, not your failures. If you're listening you're not a, and you're not a Christian, again, I would just say this, keep listening. Keep listening as we continue to unpack what Christ has done for us. Once again, thank you for listening to the Generation Church Podcast. This is our series, Guilt, Grace, and Gratitude, where we've examined the connections and themes of the Hattelberg Catechism to our modern day life. Have a great day. For more information, visit our website at ginfamily.church, G-E-N family.church. You can also follow our social media accounts at Jin Family Church.